Welcome to the Sisterhood of Battle podcast, the Warhammer 40k podcast for all things Sisters of Battle. I'm your host, Big Easy, coming at you from Holy Terra. Welcome to episode two of the Sisterhood of Battle podcast. Today we have with us guest Xandor from the Sisters of Battle Discord. Hi there. How's it going? Welcome. You are our first guest, uh, like I said, from the Sisters of Battle Discord, where we have some good, lively conversation uh, about all things Sisters of Battle. It's kind of the uh, uh, Discord version of what I hope this podcast can be. So we'll start off with an icebreaker question. What TV show, movie, book, etc., do you think would have been better with at least one Sister of Battle in it? Potentially many. That's a good question. Uh, if I had to choose a video game... It would probably have to be Doom because we are, <laughs> we already have the Doom Slayer going around just busting up demon heads. But can right. you imagine a Sister of Battle with a Flamer or even a Melta gun just coming through, mowing more demons, more than the Demon Slayer possibly could, with maybe some much more ease than he could either as well. Yeah, I thought at first if like, oh, that's incredibly thematic, right? Like you're going around hunting demons, which is very sister badly. But then, like you said, I just started thinking about how fun it would be to actually shoot all the guns that we have, right? Like Melty Melta and Flamer and even just Bolters just like going crazy on demons. Yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah, that's great. I can easily see a glory kill being uh, a Dominion Squad sister taking a crack grenade and just shoving it down the maw of (laughs) of a Mancubus, maybe. Right. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, now we have to uh, lobby for that game to get made. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can think of so many. I don't know if I want to give out, we'll give away all my answers in case I want to use this question again. But one I've been thinking about is the TV show ALF. Oh. So I don't know, it might be a little bit, a little before your time, I don't know. But no, just no, the I've idea seen, of like a, okay, I've seen you know ALF. Before. That would be, that would be, a, that would be something to watch. Oh, yeah, I love just like the classic 80s sitcom, you know, kind of cheesy. Of course, there's an alien that's just nobody talks about the fact that there's an alien in the room and then a sister of battle, which would probably completely hate its guts the whole time. And, you know, yeah. hilarity would ensue, uh, you know, so they'll get on that, I'm sure. Right after, right after the doom uh, with the sister of battle. <laughs> um, so one of the goals for this show is to uh, offer something for all fans of Sisters of Battle. This isn't just, you know, hardcore Tactica or, you know, people who want to discuss only Minutia from the lore, you know, and this is something for people that uh, have, have are just coming at it new, which I think is a lot of people. Um, I'm fairly new, you know, I've been in 40k a very short time compared to some people. Um, and, you know, my first Sister of Battle kit I purchased, uh, you know, in January, really. So <laughs> uh, I'm new. Uh, so we want it to be entertaining for everyone. Uh, we'll have some uh, different guests all the time, some people that can, you know, maybe give us uh, a little insight to their years and years of experience uh, playing with Sisters of Battle and, you know, uh, modeling them and painting them. And some people that are, you know, still have that that fresh um, take on them and kind of the wonder and, you know, I'm still learning things about them, which I think is also a really fun part of the hobby. Um, so you're someone, as I understand, who's an interest in sisters, but you have limited experience with them. Yeah, is that right? I have, I have a lot of interest in sisters of battle. Uh, I don't really, in, in all the armies that I play, I play space Marine. I I'm starting Imperial guard, uh, and I'm starting chaos. I never really follow codex specific chapters or codex specific regiments per se. Uh-huh. I like I like building my own my own chapters, my own armies, my own lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. So I think with Sisters of Battle, it would be a lot. I don't know. I feel like with Sisters of Battle, if I were when when I do get into it, it's going to be a lot of fun creating my own order because right. I've looked I've I've looked into a lot of the orders: Order of Our Martyred Lady, uh, the White Rose, mm-hmm. etc. And mm-hmm. the lore is really good. Don't get me wrong, but there's something to be had. There's something to be had when when you create your own custom order, your own custom army, and you build this world expanding fluff around it. And yes, it, it it it's one I find it as a as a kind of challenge for me because I'm a writer. I love writing. 
Mm-hmm. So I find okay. it as a good challenge for me whenever it's a new army that I haven't played before. Um, right. You've got to then, kind of get used to that lore and, and, you know, dig into it a little bit and kind of make it yours through mm-hmm. that process. Exactly. Uh, and in fact, not to get too into it, uh, one of my favorite custom chapters that I built is a Space Marine chapter successor to the Dark Angels. And I use them every chance I get on the tabletop. Uh, whenever I play games, I love writing stories about them, about the match that we played. Whether I win or lose is irrelevant. It's just the fact that I get to write something from it. And I would, I feel like with Sisters of Battle, it would actually up my writing factor with it, with them. Yeah. You are speaking my language right now. Let me tell you, I, I 100% love that. Um, I, you know, I love the 40K lore. I think it's really cool. It's so deep, even just in the, the codex. And then, of course, if you get into all the, you know, Horus Heresy, the Black Library stuff, which I have not really. This this book we'll be talking about later is, is really my first foray into that. But obviously, there's a lot there. But I like how Games Workshop kind of says, okay, here's what we have. And then here's the sandbox. This universe is so vast. It's so disconnected. There's worlds that will, you know, have gone millennia and maybe saw one space marine, you know, 10,000 years ago. And that's all they know about the world. And so that just leaves the door open for you to say, you know, uh, yeah, this is a world where they've never seen anything but Sisters of Battle, for example. They don't know anything about the chaos guy, you know, and it's like, yeah, all the big battles and everything are the, you know, the characters fighting each other that are named and the the space marines working with the sisters with the guard. But Mm -hmm. there's no requirements. You know, you can have any kind of headcanon you want. And of course, that I think that. That may be by design for when you get down on the and the tabletop and actually playing a game. You know, there's no rules. It doesn't feel weird. Oh, for yeah, example, yeah. I play. Yeah, uh, uh, okay, go ahead. One of my favorite pieces of fan fiction lore with, within the 40k universe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I I found it. I found this fan fiction a long a while back, a couple years back on 1D 4chan, and it's called Love and Krieg. And this was actually my first foray into the Sisters of Battle. Uh-huh. Uh so Le- Love and Creek is a fan fiction. I don't know who the original author is sadly. What I do know is that it's from a bunch of posts on 4chan that the writer put the writer had posted. Mm-hmm. And someone decided to write a spin-off from the main story and involving a sister of battle. And seeing how seeing how knowing what I know about the about the lore of Warhammer at that time, I knew I knew a little bit about Sisters of Battle. I knew that they were very, uh, if it goes against the Emperor's will, then it must be heresy and it must be right. destroyed. Right. In Love and in Love and Krieg, at least a spinoff, uh, this Sister of Battle was introduced to something called uh, Terranus, which is a fan fiction world where uh, the Kriegs that the Kriegs believe that when they die, they will go into Terranus, blah, blah, blah. Okay, like a Valhalla kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like that. Um, the sister of battle. Now, obviously, to a sister of battle, that sounds like heresy because, like, no, when you die, you go to the emperor, right? Uh, but this sister of battle, she was like, "If I die, can I go there?" And wow, yeah. So for me, I was like, "Wait a minute." So you're telling me that it doesn't have to necessarily be stoic uh, idealism for the emperor? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it opens a lot of doors. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really, because of that, because seeing that, it actually opened up a lot of doors for my writing, and that's when I actually got very serious in writing my in doing my own custom armies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. I think you'll have a lot of fun uh, when you start doing that. I did that um, for my sisters. Uh, you know, I wrote a little bit of backstory, which you know, I think you and I. It sounds like we're we're really into that. Some people, um, you know, I that I know for a fact aren't you know, don't do that or haven't thought to do that. But mm-hmm. if you are, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you spend so much time building and painting and then playing with these armies. It's to me, it's just so nice to kind of like have your own take of, uh, you know, well, why are they there? What are they doing? And so you're not just like, you know, uh, Katie and Forrest zero four, six, three, you know, yeah. you have something personal with it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it, and I think the sisters will have a chance to do that. Yeah. It's near and dear to your heart. It, you put time, you put effort, and a lot of times, blood, sweat, maybe some tears. I, I know. Sure, I've, definitely tears. Are you doing the eyes? <laughs> yeah, I know. I've I've shed my my fair bit of tears painting my armies. A lot of times, it's because I drop my bottle of Nolan oil or my bottle of Agrax Earthshade, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. So a lot of tears have been shed over my armies. <laughs> and then sometimes I shed tears uh, when I try to feel them on the table because I'm not the best player. But like you said, win or lose, you know, I, I like to just kind of imagine what this battle would, would be like. And, uh, you know, that's that's part of the fun of the hobby for me. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily play competitively. I mm-hmm. I try to avoid competitive play if at all possible. The only time I actually join any tournaments is a local tournament at my local game store, Goldmine Games. Uh, here, mm-hmm. here in Houston. Cool. And but I do, I do enjoy playing games against people who do play competitively, because it gives me a chance to not only see what I need to fix in my army in a non-competitive sense, but it also gives me a chance to see a competitive list being used on the tabletop. Right. Uh, in fact, I actually have a lot of experience playing against Sisters of Battle because one of my good friends. Uh, John, he plays this as a battle very competitively and he's because of our games, actually, he's actually changed up his list considerably. Okay. And yeah, that's cool. Um, as far as competitive goes, you know, again, you might be able to guess from, uh, you know, how much I love the backstory and fluff. Uh, I'm similar. Um, I don't have anything against competitive play. I think it's just another way to enjoy the hobby, but Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I prefer to, to try to play a narrative game. I'll join the competitive games just to kind of get a a different experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but in your games that you played uh, against sisters, what are some things that have struck you about them? Like how they actually play on the table so far? Uh, I learned, and it's going to be, it's very obvious to literally anybody, but, uh, to the, to the new person who's maybe fighting sisters of battle for the first time or playing sisters of battle for the first time, uh, I thought that they would be a lot more punchy. I know they're uh-huh. on the on the stats. They're only strength three, as a normal human is in 40k. Uh, strength three, toughness three, I believe. But uh, I I still expect I expect them to have a lot more rules that allowed them to get like plus one hit uh, to their hit rolls or something like that. So I was very surprised that they weren't very they weren't a very punchy army. They were a very heavy weapon army, a very weapon, a very ballistic centric army. Uh, and it's because of that thought that I actually got wiped on the tabletop a few times from the sisters of battle. Oh, how's that? So you, you let them shoot you instead of, uh, going in for the punch. Yeah. Because my, because my army is also my, my, my space Marines are a very, uh, shooty army as well. I like letting the enemy come to me to fight. And that was my first mistake. I realized that my opponent, my friend John, wasn't coming at me directly unless he had St. Celestine on the board. And because of that, I really suffered uh, in only shooting his army because I never really moved up to tabletop out of mm-hmm. fear of being out of fear of being pummeled from his army. Right. Which, which he feel he used to feel death cult assassin, so I had some some reason to fear that. Sure. Yeah, the it's interesting. So they their weapon skill four up. You know, they mm-hmm. used to that. They got a three up save. They're three up ballistic skill, and they're like, ah, four up. Okay, well, they're not that punchy. And then they only the one attack. You know, and the superior gets two. And it's like, you know, of course, there's ways to boost that. And you can go bloody rose, or you mm-hmm. can if you take the triumph of Saint Catherine, you can uh, or a preacher, you get extra attack or a plus one to hit. But yeah, you would think that you know maybe just either one or you know give them a three up uh, weapon skill or you know, maybe two attacks and say they've yeah. got some, you know, religious fervor or something, but no, you know, they, if they get in close combat, really all they're relying on is that three up save. Yeah, that, that is, that's very much true. And ever since, I think it was after the second game when I realized this, uh, that's when I started just running up. I never do this on any other game, but with, when it comes to sisters of battle, I've learned to just run up the board as fast as I can and get into melee as fast as I can. But it's because of how good they are at shooting that that actually becomes kind of a problem. Right. Uh, if they're waiting for you to come come to you come to them. Yeah, then they're just opening fire, especially once you get in rapid fire range. Oh yeah, especially in rapid fire range. In fact, one of the weapons I actually have the most trouble against is the exorcists. Uh, yeah. Simply because of how strong they really are and. It's it's no fault of the game. That's that's how it's designed. It makes sense. And don't get me wrong, I love the Exorcist. Right. But a gift they, from the Emperor. Yeah, yeah. But they're they are so powerful 
that I often tell friends who are playing against Sisters of Battle for the first time, I tell them, if they have an exorcist, make sure you destroy that first. Yeah. And it seems to me that the uh, conventional wisdom now is take three, you know, take the max. Uh, there's nothing else to substitute for it if you need anti-tank. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could argue uh, retributors can, if, the, if you've got enough weapons in them, uh, you know, maybe be a substitute, but you got to get them in range. But yeah. three exorcists, pretty cost effective for what they're doing. You know, the 3D3 shots at, you know, tank busting level, um, you know, you force the opponent to make some tough decisions about it. Yeah, and it's at like 48 inch range, I think it is as well. Yep. So on a 12 by 12, sorry, not 12 by 12, on a, Six by on four. a standard, on a standard playing board, yeah. you're going to have, they're right. going to have range of pretty much everything at that point. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've just got, uh, I just played one game with, uh, my exorcist and I only have two because right now I'm, uh, filling the other slot with retributors, but we'll see. They did well enough that, uh, and, and again, it's a, it's an itch that can't be scratched any other way in the sisters, uh, you know, lineup of models, mm-hmm. uh, just back line, uh, shelling, uh, especially against enemy tanks that would otherwise, you know, uh, just go crazy on any of your, uh, of your troops or models or anything yeah. else that you have. Uh, well, uh, when you get sisters, speaking of the exorcist, um, I, so you haven't, uh, yet started, uh, buying and, and uh, making your own sisters. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it's mainly, be- it's mainly financial reasons. Uh, I'm just not in a, financially speaking, it's just too expensive to get into any new army now. Uh, yep. what, as it is the cheapest army that it would, that I can reasonably play would either be Imperial Guard or Space Marines. Right. And that's only because for Space Marines, I already have a good steady list. Every now and then, something will come out that I really, really want. Like, let's say, uh, Eliminators. I really would like more Eliminators. I can afford more Eliminators. Yeah. But for Sisters of Battle, it's not that the models cost too much. That That is part of it, but that's for all around GW. Yeah. Um, but but you'd just, also be starting at zero, you know, right? You'd have to, like... You have to kind of build up to a whole new force. Exactly, exactly. And uh, and I follow the rule of cool uh, when it comes sure. to building my armies. The, pro- the, ba- the problem with that, for Sisters of Battle at least, everything looks cool and I want everything. <laughs> yes, that's a problem I think listeners will be very familiar with. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we, if, let, me, let me press you then. So when it is time uh, you know, to make your first purchase, which, which sister unit are you interested in uh, you know, getting first and getting started with? Uh, I'm either going to get, I'm either going to, I'm either going to start wrong and get a pension engine, penitent engine. Sure. Uh-huh. And I say wrong only because like you only get a box of three and it's not exactly the best way to start off any army. Um, <laughs> right. No, but yeah. Really cool. Really cool though. Yeah. Or if there are any stores that still have it, and I have seen a few of my local game stores still carrying the limited edition box set that came out when they dropped the new sisters. Yep. So if that's a great way to get started. Yeah. Now if there are any boxes left and again, I have seen a few stores of mine that I go to have them. Uh, that is where I'm definitely going to start. If any, if not that, then I'm just going to start with the penitent engines. Yeah, I think you can't go wrong with either of those. Obviously, the Penitent Engines is a is a good way to kind of uh, step in. And those models look just incredible. Like you could really, you know, sink your teeth into them and and do them right. Um, oh yeah, and make it last a long time. But if you know if it works out that you're able to get one of those boxes, that's another way to do it. And just say, all right, you're going to work through that box as long as it takes. And once you're done, you've got a pretty solid. Uh, I'm not sure how many points are in there. I don't know if it's quite a thousand or, um, but it's definitely yeah. a good start. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um... I built I, I built some for a friend of mine uh, not too long ago. What the first thing I noticed when I op- when I looked at the penitent engines, I literally said out loud, "These kind of look like killicans." <laughs> Heresy. <laughs> to which to which my yeah. my my friend my friend who plays orcs he's a big orc player he perked up and said, "Oi, so we's going to nick them, aren't we?" <laughs> I love it. Yes, you're not an orc player unless you've got your own voice and accent and cool names for all your orcs. So oh, that's yeah, that's what it's all about. That, that's true. Yeah. 
But yeah, I could definitely see that. I could see an org version of those, you know, real easy. And it wouldn't even mean they probably still have a sister strapped to the front or a, or a penitent get man or something, you know, human yeah. though. Yeah. It wouldn't be an orc driving it. They would just keep the person strapped to the front. They'd love that. Oh yeah. It, it would be very Mad Max of them, of the orcs to do something like that. Yeah. So you said you recently um, did some building uh, for a client. Um, what what kits did you do? Was it just the Penton engines, or did you get to do any it, of the uh, troop units? It was two Penton engines, uh, two Dominion squads, uh, and I believe yeah, two Dominion, two Retributor squads. Sorry, two Retributor squads, two Dominion squads, two Penitent engines, and two Sisters of Battle squads. Wow, and an Exorcist. <laughs> That's impressed too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, my my cat. Just once yeah, I couldn't believe that you just went through all those models and built those. That's that's quite a force, yeah. Oh yeah, it really was. In fact, his for the Dominion Dominion squad, he actually wanted it to be different than the rules actually mm-hmm. allowed. And mm-hmm. I, I when it comes to doing anything that is kind of outside of rule parameters, I always make sure with the client that this is exactly what they want because the rules say this. And he confirmed with me that yes, he he wants these uh, Dominion squads built a certain way, uh, just in for as just in case. Maybe he meant like just in case he loses models, or maybe he wants to put them. Maybe he wants to do what I do with my Devastator Marines, and that's put them in whatever squad may need that weapon that I have have them kitted out. Yeah, yeah. So you have some ready to to rotate yeah. in if you decide to change things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the way he wanted me kit he wanted me to kit them out was uh, for a Dominion squad. It was two uh, storm bolters, two melta guns, and two flamers. Okay. Now, literally every any experienced sister of battle player will say, "Yeah, the kit does that. The kit doesn't allow for that," and sure. they're they're right. <laughs> so because of that, I actually had to uh, kit, not kit bash, but convert a lot of the models. Uh, okay. I think, I don't know if you saw on the Sisters of Battle Discord, but I was showing off the, the conversions I did. Like one of them uh, was a Sister of, Battle, Sister of Battle with a Melta gun. And I all, what I did is I clipped one of the arms holding onto the trigger of the Melta gun. <laughs> shaved it down and I glued together a, a grenade arm that she was throwing a grenade. Yep. I had another one where she was holding onto a uh, inquisition symbol in one hand while holding a flamer in the other. And honestly, the, the lack of arms necessary to do this, it only really helped improve my conversion my conversion skills and bear in mind, I don't really do a lot of conversion. Uh, that's not, not that I don't like converting. I love it when people convert their models. I love it when people kick back their models. Uh, it's just, I'm not very good at it myself. So being forced into having to do that was actually really, really beneficial for me as far as my skills go. And it was a lot of fun doing it too. Yeah, you know, I doing. I've got uh, four boxes of the Battle Sister Squad. You know, I'm just trying to start with a large uh, troop force, and of course, I mean, the models are incredible. I think a lot of people think these are the best models GW's ever made. They've kind of been getting better with every, you know, lately with every new uh, unit they they release. They really have, yeah. Yeah, so I've been enjoying it, and of course the dynamic. But some of them, you know, some of the more sculpted. It's not quite monopose, you know, like the the big limited edition box. But mm-hmm. they're kind of limited once you start getting up to like forty sisters, you know. And there's certain things you want to do and change things a little bit. And I found it is it's possible. It's not exactly easy as if they were like completely multi part where you just you know make everyone different. But of course they're less fiddly too because most things fit together. But I agree. I find with like just a little bit of you know you make this um, you know Rosarius or this uh, you know grenade arm or something just. Uh, modify it a little bit or move it a little different way and you're able to get um you know enough uh variation in the models that you're making which i think is pretty cool yeah it's a great kit though they've got so many weapon options but it's a shame you know all the kind of torso and arm <laughs> options are limited but yeah uh, it, it is, can't complain it is for what they give you yeah well um what are you currently working on uh building and painting now we know it's not sisters but what you're working on uh, so I, like I said, I don't have the money for scissors, but right now I did recently join, uh, my local game store, Goldmine Games League team for Blood Bowl. So lately what I've been doing, I've been building and painting my Blood Bowl team, uh, Dark Elves. 
and I just finished today, I just finished doing a proof of concept model. What I like to do when I, when I paint is I, I paint one model all the way through as a proof of concept. And then if I like the way it came out, and I hope I do by the time, because I spent all this time painting it, uh, I, just do an, I just do the standard assembly line of model, build, of model painting. Right. And, and after I'm done, how many or how many? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know how many models are in um, Blood Bowl. Like, how does it work? Uh, how does the game itself work? So the game, the to play the game, you need eleven models. That's in a standard team. The good thing is that if you buy just a little, like a team box, let's say of Dark Elves, because that's the team I play. If you if you buy a box of Dark Elves, it comes with twelve models right off the bat. So you already have a full team plus one player for for reserves. Great. And Blood Bowl is essentially just American football with dice rolling. That's all it is. And okay. there, there are elements in it that make it very, very complicated sometimes, or it feels very complicated at least. It wouldn't be a, four, a games workshop game if it didn't have a you know a good number of rules to learn. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a games workshop game if if it didn't have rules to learn but once you actually learn the rules it it becomes like any other games workshop game you've played uh i've had a lot of fun with blood bowl so far i've played three games in our preseason right now Mm -hmm. and some shenanigans have definitely happened uh for example i played against some orcs not too long ago with my friend and uh in the game the orcs can take a troll and the troll has a special rule called bonehead where before you even get to move the troll, you have to roll a D six and on a two up the troll can move. My friend rolled a one for most of the game. So the troll was pretty much just there scratching his head, pondering life and then wondering when his next meal will be. Right. Not in the game at all. One of those anything but a one situations. Exactly. And it, a lot of hilarity ensues in Blood Bowl a lot, especially when you get down to the more sillier teams like halflings or dwarves. Uh, they they become it becomes just hysterical at that point when when certain things go wrong or when things go exactly how you needed them to go. Yeah. How long does a game take? Uh, a game of Blood Bowl. Uh, if we're talking to standard game without preseason without league. Uh, rules or anything like that you could probably get done with the blood bowl game in about two hours give or take okay uh because each because each blood bowl game is separated into two halves with eight turns but uh a turn can literally end with one roll with one wrong dice roll so uh it's variable length depending on you know how how it unfolds yeah exactly so like if I need if I need to make a dodge roll, I can I have to roll a four up some with my army with my team. So I have, if I roll a four up, but I roll a three, my the player that was trying to dodge out of the way he gets knocked down, and that's my the end of my turn. So now it's my opponent's turn. I've had games where we were done in about an hour, mm-hmm. 45 minutes to an hour because of just how fast the turnovers were happening. Right. That sounds pretty cool. I'm gonna have to check that out. I don't know of any uh, Blood Bowl pay- players in my area, but I always see it. I know they're out there, so uh, that would be great if they found some way. Is it all um, like fantasy based? Yeah, it it is all fantasy based, but that yeah. hasn't stopped a lot of players from like converting with 40k pieces. Pieces. Uh, sure. In fact, uh, after this league is over, we're gonna be rolling off of a table, and I decided. If I get Shambling Undead, the the Undead team in Blood Bowl, I'm going to use Necrons as a as a conversion pieces for my models. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and it's not like there's WYSIWYG. It really is there. It's not like weapons or anything. Yeah, no, or there, is there? I don't know. Yeah, no, there aren't any weapons. The only weapons in Blood Bowl are literally your feet, your fists, and if you if your team comes with it, uh, secret weapons like swords, daggers. Uh, I believe dwarves have a a mulcher of some sort. They ride around like a little mulcher thing. <laughs> nice. 
Cool. Well, I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, I I like that. I like that they're kind of somewhat shorter games, but still sound like there's a lot to them. So, uh, of course, um, you know, I'm here in New Orleans where we're huge football fans. So, um, we'll check that out. Maybe I'll I'll bash some sisters and and have them play since they can't be as punchy as we want them to be uh, on the tabletop. Maybe they'll play a little Blood Bowl. Oh yeah, I mean the U. There's actually a. I was actually thinking of doing the same thing when I started Blood Bowl. Uh, I had a thought of playing they there's a team called the Amazons, which is a pure female team, and I figured I can either convert Sisters of Battle models for Blood Bowl, or mm-hmm. I could use I could go full chaos and use uh Demonette models for Blood Bowl. But, oh yeah. But in the end, because of lack of time and, and money, I just settled on Dark Elves. Yeah. Well that's cool. Uh, a good way to kind of get into it and go from there. Well, despite uh, being fairly new to Sisters of Battle, like I think we all are, but um, you've graciously agreed to take part in the very first installment of the Sisterhood Book Club. Yep. So thank you for that. Uh, the Sisterhood Book Club, it's where we read uh, the Black Library Sisters books, and we discuss them one chapter at a time, one chapter per episode of the podcast. Uh, we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do our best to do it with no spoilers. If you've already read it uh, and you're following along and you're in you know, either the Discord or social media, please no spoilers and just keep the discussion on what we've covered so far. But please do join us and uh, discuss this in the uh, the podcast. I'm sorry, in the, uh, uh, the Discord or the social media, uh, anywhere that you follow us. Uh, we'd love to talk about this with you. But right now, I'm going to talk about it with Xandor. We're starting with Faith and Fire by James Swallow. So chapter one, just a synopsis of what happens, uh, starts off with an introduction to the main character, Maria. Maria, how did you, how do you pronounce it in your head? I've always had this trouble with book characters. Uh, whenever, mm-hmm. when I saw the name, I was like, I, my first thought was Maria. But then as I kept reading it, I was trying to put in some, I was trying to use like old Gothic in my head. I was like, Miria. And then eventually, Miria. Midia. So I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So it, it I kind of see, I kind of hear it being pronounced with like an invisible D or something like that. So Midia, that's how I, that's how I pronounce it at this point. I love that. Yeah. We're going to go with that because I realize, you know, when you're reading it, you kind of, you don't always say the word out loud, even in your brain. And when I just said it out loud, I realized that sounds just like Maria, which is kind of a regular name and not very uh, sci-fi. So uh, it's M-I-R-I-Y-A for those of you that haven't uh, looked at it in the book yet, or if you're listening to it on uh, Audible or something like that. So I like that. The main character, uh, Medea traveling on an Imperial Navy ship to take custody of a dangerous psyker. And uh, the chapter ends with that psyker springing his own escape in a, uh, you know, a hail of fire and bloodshed, a very uh, climactic part of chapter one. So uh, it opens up, uh, Maria's um, praying to a statue of the emperor um, in a cathedral, which I thought was really cool, very thematic way to start the book, you know, and introduce, introduce the reader to this character who, you know, we presume is going to be the main character if you've read the, the book flap. You, <laughs> it's no spoiler. But uh, yeah, she's, she's praying to the emperor. Um, she's in some chapel and, you know, you realize, okay, this is going to be a book about uh, some badass nuns and they're very devout. And, you know, no matter what else they do, you could tell that this religious part of them was real. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, reading the book, at least reading the beginning of the chapter, uh, I I was actually glad to learn where the Order of Our Martyred Lady came from, which... Oh, yeah? Yeah, which, which actually made me surprised. Like, I literally said, oh, that's where the name came from. Yeah, they get right there in the first couple pages. They give you some great background on, on yeah, the, uh, and- one of the orders you play. And then it all made sense to me when I realized, wait a minute, St. Catherine, there's a new model, the something of St. Catherine just came out. The trial. The tri- yeah, the trial of St. Catherine just came out. Like, this this is a good tie. Like, I mean, obviously, it's, it's going to be a tie-in. There's, there was going to be some sort of tie-in one way or another, one book or another. But I was so glad. I, I, I loved connecting the dots when it came to, like, oh, that's St. That's Catherine. That's yeah. where our modern lady came from. Yeah, and he's, he's done so organically too. It wasn't like, okay, now we're going to tell you about how she got. It's like you know they were just talking. They were showing, depicting her, you know, yeah. pious worship, and just kind of wove right into you know who she is and this order that she came from. And so you really don't have to know anything about Forty K or, or Sisters of Battle, yeah, well, maybe a little bit. But but yeah, you get brought right yeah. into um, in fact, to where they come from. 
in fact, reading the chapter, I felt like I would. It's gonna sound weird because I mean I'm I'm. It's gonna sound a little weird when I say it like this, but I felt like I was Midia when I was reading this chapter, and it didn't feel like a lore dump on me, like most books or not most books, like most most uh, media would do in cases like this, where it's like, oh well, this is who this is. Yeah. Uh, but it felt like I was Midia, and I was already supposed to have known this, and I was just reminding myself that that is Saint Catherine. She is the originator of our modern lady uh, of the order of the fiery heart. And because of her, uh, because of her, I believe it was her death. It said that uh, it's the, the order of our fiery heart uh, changed to the order of our martyr lady. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Look, I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Because because she was originally, and then, yeah, they switched and that's when they started wearing the uh, black armor too. I don't know if they mentioned that in the book, but yeah, Uh, I think, I think they did. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, she's of course she was looking at the statue of the emperor, and then uh, to one side was Saint Celestine, and the other was uh, Saint Catherine. But yeah, immediately that's just really cool, and it tells you a lot of backstory. It gives you a lot of uh, kind of atmosphere and mood too that you're looking at all these old, you know, ancient venerated uh, saints. Um, so I thought that was a really cool intro. And then of course it goes from that transition and she gets up, of course she puts some holy water on her plasma pistol, which I thought was a great touch, you know, praying she doesn't get a one, I guess, and blow herself oh, yeah. up. Yeah. And then, uh, and then walks out and you realize, and they mentioned that the entire cathedral is like transplanted and is on in this, you know, Gothic spaceship of, of steel and, and, you know, all this, uh, engineering and everything like that. So I thought that was super grim, dark, super sisters of battle. It's like, okay, we'll be on a spaceship traveling, you know, through the galaxy, but we're going to just transplant an entire cathedral so that we can worship in it. I thought that was cool. Yeah. It, it really was cool. Uh, seeing that, uh, or reading that I say seeing that cause like I, I could, I could see it. I have yeah. a very yeah. imagination. Totally. I, I could see, I could see it like right in front of me. Um, I think what I I think my favorite part about that about the cathedral bit was the litany that the, that Midia was was uh, rehearsing or reciting, mm-hmm. and I I say that because like rule rule wise at least we always hear about space marines or sisters of battles or commissars giving out litanies before a battle during a battle and after a battle, but we never really see the litanies being uh, transcribed or the litanies being uh, spoken in the, in the codexes, at least I don't know for sure. in any of the other black library books, uh, the only black library books I've actually read was the first book in the beast arises series. I am slaughter and Horace rising, but okay. in neither of those books, uh, th- no litanies were ever spoken. They, they said that they had, they had performed a litany, but they never actually like said they never actually said with the litany uh, what was contained in that litany. So yeah, and here in the in the first few pages, uh, you know, you're you're really getting a, a sense of something that isn't just put into the book for characterization, but it's like yeah, this is actually something that in in some cases is like a you know a relic or an action that you can do on the tabletop, and it really yeah. bridges makes it more you know real and, and grimdark. Yeah, and I actually. I reread the litany, I think three times each time is like the, the last time I read it because it was so cool. I reread it so many times. The last time I read it, I actually like said it out loud as if I was reciting a litany for before a battle. And you'll be blessed by the emperor for it. And I was, ble- I felt blessed by the emperor for it. Yes. <laughs> this might be a new thing we have to do. Yeah. I mean, if it works out to see your first game that you play with sisters, well report back and let us know if, if the emperor blessed you for reciting the litany aloud. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of the tie-ins, I also liked, you know, they, they kind of pretty casually, pretty coolly, I think mentioned, uh, you know, retributors and, uh, Celestians, you know, sisters that are in there and it's like, Oh yeah. It's like, okay. You, you're thinking about list building and the models that you built. And I thought it was really cool that, um, you know, they make those distinctions in a very, um, realistic way. And it wasn't like over the top, like, Oh, this is this year. The, the retributor enjoyed her, uh, moving her heavy, her heavy weapon without encumbering her or anything, you know, over the top like that, but just enough to kind of say, Oh, this is a little bit different of a, of a person with the the hierarchy of uh of the sisters of battle and the celestians are more you know elite bodyguards and and they just kind of made it seem very believable and realistic in terms of like a a hierarchy of something like the the underwear of the they really did they really did and 
the one thing about tabletop and lore uh, fluff, I always try to keep the distinction that the tabletop is tabletop and the lore is the lore because yeah, you have to extract some things. Yeah, yeah, you you have to get, you have to have a give when it at least for the tabletop, you have to have a give because you know in like in lore, uh, a las gun isn't supposed to be able to penetrate. A single las gun isn't supposed to penetrate space marine armor, but that how fun would that be on the tabletop? Not at all. Yeah, right, right. So, so like even though a Celestian would be a gar, uh, like a bodyguard, I could easily see GW making a Celestian model and being and having them being used on the tabletop as maybe a body, maybe a character to screen the a. Uh, I, I can't, I can't think of any units now that I'm drawing it a blank, but sure. Well, you'll be pleased to know that the Celestians are a unit that you can take. They're an elite, uh, selection. Oh, wow. Now, they're really? the exact same box as the, um, uh, the battle sister squad that, you know, they sell them as battle sister squad, but you can put them together as dominions or Celestians. And you they have what? the special rule where you can do a bodyguard, uh, action. You know what? I think you, I think I do remember seeing that in the back of the box of the Battle Sisters squad. Uh, because, like you said, it says you can build Dominions or, or et cetera. And I think mm-hmm. I do remember seeing Celestians being part of that part of that box. You know, it's one of the interesting things about Sisters of Battle that I really like is that you have, and other um, factions have this to some extent as well, but that the basic model that you build depending on, you know, just what you say it is and how you point cost it out and sometimes how you make the unit is just going to be the exact same model. And you have the freedom to say this is going to play this role or that role. I like that because it means you don't have to have a million different models, uh, you know, and change the iconic look of a Sister of Battle. You can have a Sister of Battle model and, and have it represent different things that two different things. So you get that flexibility on the tabletop but you know you have all those cool system battles basically what i'm saying so um but yeah that is a unit and uh it's funny because you're you know you think that would be cool and they described it very well and it sounds like you were like describing the rules as you would like to see them and that's exactly how they are in the game so i don't know if that's kudos to uh james swallow or to uh, uh games workshop but either way it's cool I, w- I would say kudos to gw for making the models but kudos to to james swallow for for writing them out so well. Yeah. Make them feel like those models come to life kind of, which I think exactly. is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like it should be the point of any black library book. I think, but you know, you should tie it back more to the, to the game if possible. Oh yeah. Like, uh, I am slaughter actually for a, for like a half minute, maybe want to run Imperial fists actually when reading the book. So, cause they were so cool. They picked them so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Well, speaking of uh, Imperial Fist, I thought it was really cool how they mentioned uh, the distrust, kind of her inner monologue. Maria's inner monologue of the, I, I think, I don't think she might have been speaking to her, her uh, subordinate, but uh, about Space Marines as abhuman and kind of like, yeah. like uh, we put up with them, you know, but they're not the Emperor's pure, you know, specimen. Yeah, I, when I saw, she was speaking to, I believe her name was Iona. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah and yeah. she was saying how like oh well we have psychers uh, we we hate we detest the use of psychers because they're vessels for chaos and like she's not uh, I was as I was reading like she's not entirely wrong right yeah it was very sympathetic to that argument yeah and then she 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 even goes further saying how she detests space marines for allowing them for the allowing the open use of psychers. Oh yes. yeah, and I literally almost stopped reading just to like, uh, because whenever whenever I see comments, not comments like that, but whenever I whenever I see fans bring up arguments like that, I immediately go start going on the on on the discussion, and I tell them, well, if you think about it, really, a psyker in a space marine would actually have a least likely chance of being infected by chaos because, well, they're space marines; they've been trained. Uh, even more than an astropath would, or or um, mm-hmm. a primary psyker in the Imperial Guard would, to channel their psychic abilities. But right. obviously, it was a book, so I couldn't actually do that. So I kept reading. But and the more I read, her argument made more and more sense. Uh, which I'm a Space Marine fanboy. I didn't. I, it, it felt it felt weird being told that my that the space marines might as well be a uh, form of chaos because of uh, 
because of their use of psychers. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting. Of course, one of the things I love about 40K in general is the the different perspectives, you know, and it's like you can kind of see truth in different perspectives and one isn't, you know, uh, objectively correct. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, well, from the Sisters of Battle point of view, it's like, what are you guys doing? And from the Space Marines point of view, like, yeah, we got this and we can handle this and we're better than everyone else. And uh, the, you can kind of see where they're both coming from. Oh, yeah. I and like, to, it I like all, to think. Um, mm-hmm. It was also refreshing to see that the sisters of battle detesting space marines because they are they consider them abhuman was it was actually refreshing to me because for the longest time i've seen it memed uh the most prominent example i can think of is texas speech the little bit in texas speech when uh a bunch of it's an, a commissar killing a guardsman and then a, a sisters of battle killing the commissar and then a space marine uh, Space Marine killing the Sisters of Battle, then a Grey Knight, then Exterminatus. Um, it was it was just refreshing to see that that someone as holy as a Sister of Battle would look at the Emperor's creation and say, "You are disgusting because you're an ab human." I don't care if you're the Emperor's design; you are heresy. Well, do you think that? You know, they see it as, uh, you know, since they're they're opening their mind to chaos, that that's sort of a, an aberration to what the emperor intended. Well, that's a good question. Uh, she would see it that way, whether or not it's true, I guess. Yeah, whether or not it's true, but uh, it is a good question because if if that's the case, then that would in, that would then the my path of my train of logic with that then would be the emperor at some point could have been taken over by one of the chaos gods because the emperor is a psyker as well. Right. So do as I say, not as I do sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So if, if we, if we open up that can of worms, then I could easily argue that the emperor himself could have, could have just as easily been taken over by a chaos god. If not a chaos chosen, uh, chosen psyker that one of the four gods, the four main gods had put to infect the emperor. Well, sir, that is heresy. So yeah, banish it from your mind. Uh, <laughs> and also, it's interesting to, to hear Iona's distrust of uh, you know psychers specifically. You know, a little bit of foreshadowing considering what happens to her. Um, and I love they foreshadow it a couple times. You know, and they really give you the the creeps and about psychers and what they're capable of and how they can kind of, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know the word for it, but just, you know, poison your mind almost. It's not even a strong enough word. It's kind of like almost like an event horizon, you know, mm-hmm. like the movie. Uh, taint, they, they can taint your mind, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and and then Iona, they kind of build her up as this, you know, unemotional, cool, calm, and collected character. And then, of course, once Vaughn breaks out, uh, you know, he whispers something into her. I love that little bit. You don't know what it is, but it just completely breaks and shatters her mind, which is, you know, terrifying. That because the you know Sisters of Battle are there you know, supposed to be the bulwarks against this sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, heresy and and psychers and chaos. And then, you know, it just shows how valuable they are. I, I actually really love that that bit about Iona when she first came in as a character where they where she was described as this cool calm collected soldier uh, whenever she was wounded in battle she never cried out in pain and she never relished in her triumphs either uh, it, it's been done obviously in other forms of media and other movies books and TV shows but to actually see it in 40k perspective, it 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 feels different and i mean that in a good way because we literally see examples of like uh colonel strachan and how much pride he holds in his men whenever they complete their mission or literally any space marine when they get hurt you can they obviously cry out in pain it's just mm-hmm. it it gives me the sense that maybe in some way or another a normal human is stronger than a marine only because they don't she this one person uh refuses to cry out in pain whenever she gets hurt yeah and and presumably through pure faith right faith in the emperor which is yeah presumably through pure faith of the emperor yes I and love then, that, and that's you know the source of the invulnerable save on the tabletop. You know, yeah. the feeling of pain or the invulnerable. Yeah, and then and then to go even for, even further into that, it it was really weird to read that some of the sisters of battle hated Iona because of that, 
because of her her lack of emotion that is yeah i love that bit and i really like you know i think the codex a lot of 40k and the codex in particular you know they cover ground really quickly when they're trying to characterize a chapter or a faction Mm -hmm. and it's really easy and i think a lot of you know fiction does this as they say okay well these are the sisters they're all like this and here's like three things that that characterize them like okay yeah and then you know it's it's hard to do that for six different chapters and have a lot of distinction but in in fiction like this you can really get into how yeah well this sister's like this and this one's a little different and really characterize them like that um and it, it really gets your mind thinking like you said earlier, it kind of opens the door and be like, oh, that's, I wonder what kind of dynamics would be going on, you know, between sisters within an order even. Oh, yeah. And, and because for the longest time, uh, at least like reading the bits of the codex, of the Sisters of Battle Codex that I've read and just hearing from word of mouth from act from other Sisters of Battle players that I've met, I always had the assumption that all Sisters of Battle like had a a common respect for one another only because they were all in the same unit. They were all, in the, uh, they were all sisters of battle, regardless of what their unit type was. The only difference being uh, maybe repentias because, right. you know, they, they, they need to repent. Right. Very different orders and, uh, you know, what assignments in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but so it was, it was, uh, it was a shock to see that, Hey, uh some sisters of battle just don't like each other yeah and along those lines i really thought it was interesting because like you know in the codex you just hear sisters of battle and um you know they're like they're devout and they have unyielding faith to the emperor and it doesn't really give you a sense of what they would be like um you know really like in a interpersonal way or like how do they go what is their day like you know you don't really get a sense for that you just think oh they must be just like praying all day and shooting all day and they're like robots basically that that's all they do and so it really takes some fiction like this to kind of get into well yeah they're obviously extremely devout and you know they have this you know what we would consider crazy way of thinking um and ordering of their mind and what what they value but then you also see some things like how they interact with each other how you know they said maria's unit was kind of a little more lax but they got the job done but it meant that you know the other units looked down on them and you realize you know there's a little bit of humanity and you know real uh something you can identify with in these characters so that they're not just kind of god robots you know uh, yeah. jihad robots <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that i'm glad that, that wasn't the case so that they'd be yeah, more interesting because yeah, like you see that you see that a lot with space brains at least you see that uh regardless uh, regardless of and it's obvious obviously this is different from chapter to chapter like uh i i know or maybe it's not i don't know it's been a while since i've actually read a space marine codex through and through but from what i do know uh space marines they all they all respect each other because at least within their own chapter, they all respect each other. And the only time they actually hate another space Marine would be because they're from a different chapter and their chapter functions very, very differently from theirs. Like literally any space Marine chapter and the dark angels. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the, in the rest of the book. I haven't finished the book. I've read a little bit ahead, but I have not finished this book. So I'm, you know, unspoiled and, and eager to see where this goes. Um, I, I feel like I, I do talk have, all day about. Uh, I'm okay. sorry. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, uh, no, go ahead. I was about to kind of move us along, but it, please, oh, you have another thought. I, I I do have a possible theory, and and again, I I've only read the first chapter, or or yeah, I've only read the first chapter because I do I do plan on getting the book. I found that eBay has a copy of it on sale for three ninety nine. What uh, a bargain. Yeah, very good. You hear that? Three ninety nine on eBay, everyone. Uh, there's lots of ways to get it. It's not too late to keep up with the Sisterhood Book Club. Oh yeah, and and um, one theory I have about Iona, at least one. I think one of two things will happen to her, and okay. I hope neither do. But it's forty <laughs> k, okay. so one of these two things will happen. Yeah, I hope none of them are good because you got bad yeah. odds. Yeah, so. Uh, theory one is Iona will die uh, sa- sacrificing herself, saving either Midia or sacrificing herself to save maybe the Psyker that escaped, doing something that something that involves sacrificing her life for the Emperor and for humanity at large. Okay. Or um, second one. Or and this is because of how how she again this is just going back on her character on how. She doesn't scream in pain. She doesn't flinch or anything like that. 
maybe, and this is going to sound like heresy, but maybe she might get possessed. Oh, okay. Be- and spe- and specific, and I know it's chance. I know the chances of the sec- of her being possessed are like very, 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 very slim because sisters of battle they almost never get possessed and they almost never get tainted by the by chaos. But if she were to be possessed, I think the chaos god I would rather I would love to see her get uh, taken by would either be uh, corn or mm-hmm. Zeech. Oh, yes, very interesting. Either either one of those options I think would be very interesting, and it would show how powerful of a, a psyker uh, Vaughn would be to to break a sister in the first place, like you said. Yeah, exactly. But well, not but just to break, but to possess. Yeah, yeah. But there's always there's always that like that that small that small uh, glint. And again, I only say that be- I only say the second part only because of how they say that she feels no she acts as if she feels no pain. And one one side of me is like, oh, that's because of her her fervor for the emperor. The other side of me is like, that's not normal. Humans can't literally cannot do that. Even space marines yell out in pain. Something's going yeah. on here. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe she's got uh she's prone to becoming dust, you know, and not not having any feeling. Exactly. That so so well I I'm going to have to wait and see and wait and find out to see what happens cuz I if any, if anything I hope she survives because automatically I know we're I know we're supposed to love Midia as a character and I do but Iona is my favorite character at this point with this book. Yeah. Yeah, I like how they they set her apart and you know gave her that interesting uh characterization so we're holding up hope for uh Iona. Hopefully she uh, pulls through. Unlike Leth, who, you know, we, we did have a sister casualty. The sisters lost pretty badly in the first episode. They've in the first episode in the first chapter. They've really uh, set us up well to see yeah, where they, they really can come did. back from. So, well, you'll have to uh, keep following us along with uh, chapter two, the Sisterhood Book Club of uh, Faith and Fire by James Swallow. I think things are going to get um, really interesting, and we're going to have more fun stuff to talk about. I think we could, like I said earlier, we could talk about this all day, and I would, I'd probably love it. But we'll uh, we'll try to contain this. And uh, if there's more that you uh, want to talk about or, or comment on, come to the Discord or comment on social media. We can keep it going there. So uh, before we wrap this episode up, uh, we just want to follow up on the episode one giveaway. Episode one was kind of a short teaser episode, but we did uh, mention that we'd be giving away uh, an exorcist driver church face, the cathedral Gothic church face uh, giveaway. A lot of people had uh, good plans that they wanted to use uh, extras of those head for, but it only comes one per $80 exorcist kit. So um, all you had to do was follow uh, the account on social media uh, and make a post tagging us what you plan to do with the head, and we'd select a winner at random. Uh, And we have selected out of a very small pool, so your chances are still very good in these early days of winning these contests, so I encourage you to try. And we have a winner. So, Zandor, do you have the winner? Yes, the winner is at NerdHammers, N-E-R-D-H-A-M-M-E-R-S. Congratulations. All right. Congratulations, Nerd Hammers. Thank you for following us, for posting. And uh, Nerd Hammers said that they were going to make a, uh, a canonist conversion out of it, which I think is what my plan is for my uh, the one I'm keeping as well. So well, see, now, uh, I've got kind of a I, smash canonist. Yeah, now I only uh-huh. wonder what head he's going to be using for that canonist because my favorite head from The Exorcist Driver was uh, the really face-grilled one, the face, the face-grill helmet. Oh, yeah. That's actually the one I used on both of mine too. Yeah, I thought it was a little more appropriate for the my kind of tank driver, mm-hmm. uh, but I do love the uh, the church face. I think it's 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 got to make its way at least. I think it should make its way into everyone's army one way or another. Oh yeah. But um, but yeah, there'll be there may be some people don't like them. That's that's fine. You know, to each their own. And there may be some a market for those as people get rid of those. But um, hopefully, people that want them will will be able to get them. But uh, you know, here's the podcast giving one away right off the bat. And well, two episodes, let's do another giveaway. I don't see why not. We're going to keep things going. Uh, we're very excited um, to be working with Sigmarite Boutique, like Age of Sigmar, Sigmarite. Um, I was looking on an Etsy shop. I was just trying to get some, you know, um, we need some, we need to keep track of so many things as sisters players. Now we got the miracle dice. We got, um, you know, everything else, wounds, everything else you normally have to track in 40K. And the Sigmarite Boutique is a kind of a 3D printing uh, boutique shop with things made specifically for different uh, games, workshop games. 
And one of the things that I saw on Facebook or some social media was this beautiful um, uh, kind of an Aquila um, dice holder for your Miracle Dice. And it'll hold, um, I don't have it right in front of me. I think it's about 12 Miracle Dice, which is, you know, a good number. You probably won't be generating more than that. If so, you should be spending them. I think you posted it on the Discord. Yep. Yeah. What do you think? Beautiful, beautiful. I like, I want one now. Same when I first saw it. It's incredible. They did a great job. Um, you can customize the color. It'll hold different size dice. If you have the official Miracle Dice, um, you know, the Adeptus Rotas dice or the, the smaller ones, they'll customize it for you. Um, and they're graciously agreed to give one away uh, to the winner of this week's uh, giveaway. So um, all you have to do this time is just... Um, uh, we're going to make a post this time and uh, all you have to do is comment on the post. So I'm going to do it across all the social media. And um, as long as you're following us and you comment on the post, uh, we're going to, uh, and also I will ask you to just pick what your favorite sisters of battle order is one of the big six orders. So even if you don't, if you have your own, like uh, Zandor and I do, which one are you going to use the rules for? Let us know which one you want. And we're going to pick a winner at random. And we'll put you in touch with Sigmarite Boutique, who, again, great job, great customer service, um, great guy running that shop. Lots of options there, but um, he'll make you one of these beautiful Miracle Dice holders. Miracle Dice are the core of the Sisters of Battle play style. It's a lot of fun to play with, and it's coming from someone who generates a lot of them uh, and, and likes to have them all displayed neatly so you don't lose track of which ones you have. One of these is a godsend. So um, take a look at that. You'll see the picture on social media and uh, good luck in the next week of the contest. Um, so speaking of social media, if you have anything you want us to share, if you've got some, um, you know, just your progress on painting, you've got a cool color scheme, you made some custom art, anything at all that you're working on and you want us to share, we'd love to share it. Um, just tag us in whatever social media you're using. Um, you don't even have to say that you want us to share it. If you tag us, uh, we'll know and we'll, um, we'll broadcast it out there so that more people can see your work and we can be inspired. Um, that's one of the cool things about an army sort of starting up a new release of models that everybody's working on them at once. And you can see all these ideas. You don't have to wait, you know, years and years for somebody to do something new. Everyone's doing something new at the same time. And it's a great time to be painting. And then uh, probably the same thing for playing too and tactics and things like that. So um, just let us know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I, like I said, my, my friend, John, he, he's changed his tactics up so many times. Every time he's played with me, it used to be, he would have his St. Celestine run right up the board, try to try to get into combat with my Azrael as, as fast as he can. Uh, then it switched to him using Death Cult Assassins, and then now he no longer runs Death Cult Assassins. Now he runs Assassins. Then from Assassins, just says Pure Sisters. So it, it's always fun seeing new new Tactica being used. It's so new. We don't we don't have a one completely set playstyle. Um, and um, we'll, and future episodes we'll we'll delve a little deeper into specific tactics from players who played a lot more games than than I have, um, and some even competitive players. Um, just because, like you said, it's good to know that information and kind of give people ideas, no matter what level they play at. Um, so look for that in future episodes. Um, we're going to have a lot more of that. Uh, I want to thank Xandor from the Sisters of Battle Discord for taking the time to join us this week. It's been great. I feel like we could, you know, talk another two hours. We're going to save something for the next episodes. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, no parting thoughts. Just want to say that, uh, well, if, if there is any parting thoughts, it's for the new players, the new the new builders, painters, and players. Uh, for one thing, uh, always follow the rule of cool. Uh, if if you think a penitent engine looks cool and you want to start that start off with them, start off with them. If you think the exorcist looks cool, start off with the exorcist. Don't don't limit yourself to just saying I need to start off with X Y and Z first, and then I can get X Y and Z. Start off with the rule of cool. Uh, if you ever want to try try building your own your own order or your own your own order for Sisters of Battle, I guarantee you. You're going to have a lot of fun writing, rewriting, and then re-rewriting the lore as you as you build and paint these models. Uh, and then uh, as a last thing, I, I do want to share that I do have a little side business, a little side job that I do. Uh, I have a business called Heretical Paint Jobs. I build and I paint models uh, for, a, for, for a price. Building, it varies from... 
model to model, unit to unit, uh, painting, it's always going to be half of the price of the box that you bought. Uh, and it's not, it's not, I'm not only limited to just 40 K to Warhammer. I'm, I'm available for any, uh, tabletop war game. I'm available for D and D. Uh, obviously with D and D models, it's more painting than building, but, uh, I do have an Instagram that you guys can check out, uh, heretical paint jobs with underscores after heretical and paint. Uh, and then I also have a Twitter. I don't really use my Twitter all that much. If I'm being honest, I'm just now starting to use it more and more as I post, but, uh, it's going to be at jobs paint at J O B S P A I N T at jobs paint for my Twitter handle. Okay. That sounds great. Uh, it sounds very reasonable and, um, we'll go there and, uh, check out Zandor's work. Uh, again, appreciate you being on the podcast. Happy to uh, let you plug uh, your work. And speaking of plugs, if you're so inclined, uh, we invite you to support the podcast on Patreon. Be a Patreon saint, if you will. There's a link on our website, sisterhoodofbattle.com. Um, again, this is a labor of love. I'm only making this podcast because it's kind of something I want to want to listen to um, and just kind of be around and absorb more sister stuff. I'm not trying to make any money, but uh, if you're in a position to support us and you want the podcast to continue, um, any amount helps cover the basic podcast costs. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Chemical Code, Fluffer Pope, and Hearts Secrets Fire for supporting the pod already after uh, just our first episode. Very much appreciated. Um, we're going to be sending you a little token of our appreciation soon. Um, and as we distribute this podcast, um, you can get it, uh, very soon anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, please subscribe, like, and review the podcast. It helps us get seen right now. You can, uh, get us on Google play, Stitcher, Spotify, among some others. We're working on Apple podcasts and Google podcasts as well. They've been submitted and should be available soon. And as always, you can get all of our social media links and, uh, listen to our latest episodes at sisterhoodofbattle.com. Okay, and that's it for this episode. Stay tuned for next week. We're going to dig a little deeper into the Sisters of Battle orders, all the six main orders, and um, you know some of the lore and rules behind them. And uh, we're going to find out what happens to Maria after letting the bad guy get away in Chapter 2 of Faith and Fire. So go forth as sisters in the Emperor's Light and give the heretics what they deserve. Have fun, guys. Thanks for listening to the Sisterhood of Battle podcast. Be sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash battlesisterspod. Follow us on Twitter at Battlesisters and Instagram at Sisterhood of Battle. And let us know what you think. Theme music by Robert Russell. Artwork by at Gigahorse Deluxe on Twitter.